Thank you, Abe and George, for that special music. Very nice. And we did have time for another one. I'm even a minute early. Good morning, everybody, and it's good, it's good to see you. And uh, a special welcome to visitors that might have come, and uh, also for those that are watching on TV or online, um, a, a special uh, welcome to you too, and uh, we hope you will receive a special blessing in the service today. We also uh, want to invite you to uh, get in touch with us, and we would like to get to know you. And so give us a call. Our number is 204-325-9563. And now I would like to report to you that last Sunday afternoon, a nice assembly of enthusiastic singers gathered here in the church uh, to praise God in song with their singing. Uh, the group encouraged one another for more opportunities at the end of the singing and uh, also suggested maybe it would be good to have some choirs. So uh, something to look forward to. With the fall season moving forward, we thank God for the blessings of a bountiful harvest. Pastor Dean will provide us with some wise counsel in his uh, message today on stewardship. We worship an awesome God. Amen. And we have a lot to be thankful for. He offers love and forgiveness, and he is near to hear our daily struggles. I have chosen Psalm 95, verses 1 and 2, for my scripture passage. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. So please stand to pray if you're able. I will again offer a prayer to begin and please uh, join in to con conclude together with me with the Lord's Prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you and give you praise. We have much to be thankful for, and we thank you for the bountiful harvest and the privilege we have to come before you and to worship you and also bring your concerns before you. We thank you for your guidance for prayer, and we humbly join together before you now as you taught us to pray. Our heavenly, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, 
the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Mark, uh, would you please come and lead us in singing? And after which, uh, oh, you can be seated. After which Eileen will serve us with a children's story. Good morning. This week we got all our harvest finished. Yes, it has been wonderful. Um, in September we were praying, we were asking the Lord that he give us a lot of sunny days in October because we needed a lot of time to bring in harvest and it needed to dry yet. The corn was very, was somewhat late and so on. And it has been wonderful with how many sunny days we've had. And another one today, it's just beautiful. We should all go outside for church, shouldn't we? I hope you brought your jackets. We're going to start singing hymns, uh, singing hymns today uh, with song number 191. I chose these songs and then I told someone this week what they were and they said, oh, those are all big songs. And I said, well, we serve a big God, so let's sing. It'll be, it'll be worth it. So we're going to start with 191, crowned with many crowns. We'll sing verses uh, 1, 2, and 4. warmed up a little bit. Let's turn to page 167. And I don't know why, but when I sing songs, I often don't quite realize the messages when I read it. So I'm going to read verse 2. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. 
There is nothing we can do to earn salvation. Let's sing number 167, all four verses, and let's uh, rise to sing if you can. Thank you. For a third song, let's sing number 325, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And we'll sing verses 1, 2, and 3. Thank you. 
come here too? Come stand here, sit here. That'd be really great. Come on, Daddy. There you go. That'd be great. I have a, oh, now if, yeah. We're going to bump you over there a little bit. Welcome here. I'm so glad you've come to sit here in the front with me. It's so much nicer to tell a story or to give a little lesson if I can see your faces right here. Now, I brought up, well, first of all, good morning. You know, yesterday I, I went to watch volleyball. Now, I don't know if you guys like sports. Do you play sports? Yeah? What sports do you play? Oh, okay, okay. Well, I tell you, that was a gym full of hard-working boys. Lucas was playing, and lots of high school boys. And wow, that was exciting. They worked so hard, and they played so well. And you know, it was like they were in a battle. Because when they would do their cheer, do you think they went, rah, rah? No. They really, <laughs> they really <laughs> cheered. And when they worked hard to get a point, oh my goodness, it was like they were giving out a war cry. Like they had just won a, a battle. It was very exciting to watch, because I quite like sports myself, and so that was very fun. Well, you know what? Those of us who love Jesus, uh, we are called, and we heard it in some of the songs we sang, but we are called soldiers of the cross. Now, do you think that is just rah-rah? No, soldiers. They, and you know, those volleyball players, they didn't just one day decide, oh, I think I'm gonna play volleyball and go onto the court and play very well. No. What did they do? You got that right. They practice long hours, lots of hours. And if you play hockey and you want to do well, you know you have to practice hard and long. And not only do you want to get better at all the skills involved, but you've got to work with your team so that you can be a good team on the court and work together so you get to know each other. Well, if we love Jesus, we are called to fight a battle also. And you know, I like songs, and I know lots of songs from when I was growing up. And there's one, Pastor Victor knows it as a hymn, I know it as a kid's song. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, you soldiers of the cross. Yeah. Anyway, there are lots of other songs, and one day I wish I could teach them all to you. But they teach us what we need, and they encourage us many songs. Well, the Bible also teaches us and encourages us. And I want to read from Ephesians chapter 6. Now, uh, we are soldiers of the cross, and the Bible actually tells us that, and it says this, listen, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. That sounds like a serious thing coming. We need to get ready, and we need to prepare, and we need to protect ourselves. 
put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We were singing about that also. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, because we're fighting a battle, take up the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand firm, no, to able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm, win the battle, fight hard. Well, I tell you, just like those boys yesterday, they were prepared, and they played hard together, they encouraged each other, they cheered each other on, and when they got discouraged, they tried to encourage each other. Well, we also can be like a team, and we put on the armor of God. And let's see what that armor is. Do you know this? Do any of you know what these pieces are? Oh, let's see if I brought them all. The first one says, put on, what is it, Jeremiah? That comes a bit later. The belt of truth. So a belt, what does it do? It keeps things together and keeps them up, right? Belt of truth. Then, fastened around, stand firm, uh, having fastened on the belt of truth, and put on the, do you know it? Breastplate of righteousness. Now this isn't a, a real, but it helps us get the idea. The breastplate of righteousness, it protects us. It, uh, it protects us. And so this is something we put on to protect us. Breastplate of righteousness. Now we could say a lot of things about all these, but we're, I'm just going to walk through them. Breastplate of righteousness, and we need some shoes. Shoes. Fitted. These are, these are shoes I've walked a lot of miles already. Fitted. Uh, shoes for your feet, putting on the readiness given by the gospel of war, peace. Peace. Yes. So we're ready with the gospel of peace. That's the good news of Jesus. And then, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Shield of faith, because you need to have something to protect yourself from all the flaming arrows of the devil. He is going to shoot fiery arrows at us and cause us to doubt and cause us to all kinds of things that are, are harsh to us. So we need the shield of faith. Then, uh, let me see where am I? Um, oh, I flipped the page. That's not the right way here. Okay, I've got a few things left here. The shield of faith and... This is what Jeremiah said before. Helmet of salvation. Helmet of salvation. Yeah, I won't put it on. It's... it's uh, 
helps us remember. Helmet of salvation. And then, like, these are all things that protect us. They protect us, they help us to get going on the road, but we need something else. We need to fight. And what is our sword? This is a sword. What is it? Word of God. Yes. Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Those, that's the whole armor of God. And we need to put that on. And maybe one day I'll have opportunity to tell you more about what all those pieces mean. But for today, let me keep reading a little bit here in Ephesians. Pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert. A snoozing soldier, that could be trouble, hey? So keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. That is right, for ourselves and for each other, because if we're on the team for Jesus, we need to work together so that we can encourage each other, so we can cheer each other on, so that we can win the battle. And what are some ways that we can get ready and practice and put on the armor of God? Do you have some ideas? Mm -hmm. Well, let me, tell, let me tell you some ideas. What is this? This is my Bible. And the Bible is what? What is the Bible? It's God's holy word to us, yes. Yes, that is right. And the Bible tells us four very important things. It tells us, let me see what they all are because I need to get them right. Uh, it tells us everything we need to know for living, everything we need to do to fight the battle. It tells us where we came from. In the beginning was the word. It tells us why in the world are we here in this world? In this world, what's this all about? It tells us that. It tells us what is right and wrong to do. It tells us how God wants us to live, and it tells us that when these bodies are done in this world, it tells us where we're going to be, it tells us where we're going, and that is up to heaven, to be with Jesus forever. Hallelujah. Yeah. And you know what? This Bible is true. The Bible is true. God's Word is true, and we can trust it. And so the way we can get ready for the battle, read, your, read the Bible with your mom and dad with your friends and with your neighbors, and we're starting Bible study groups sometime. Get into a Bible study group. Read the Word so you know what Jesus wants you to do, so you know the truth of how he wants you to live. Uh, because these days, they're, they're changing and they're uncertain, and so this is the way that we can stand firm, putting on the armor of God and fighting, standing up for the Lord. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your love to us. Thank you for the word, your word, the Bible, that you have preserved for us over all these years to teach us where we've come from and why we're here and how you want us to live. 
and hallelujah, Lord, that you tell us that when these bodies are done here on earth, we will come to be with you in glory. Father, I pray for our young people here, that you would help them to get to know you, to learn about, uh, in your word, how you want us to live, so that they can be strong warriors uh, fighting for you in this world, Father, uh, even as we bring the gospel of peace. We ask for your protection and that you would lead and guide them in your truth and keep them in your way. Father, we give our young people into your care with great thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you, Ardeen. And now to our bulletin. Um, on uh, page two, our missionaries are, for the week are K and K. And uh, I received a message from them which I can pass along to you. So they say, pray for open doors to share the good news with friends and neighbors. Pray for wisdom as we've been asked to be involved in the lives of some local believers in a more formal capacity. Pray for finances as we have a steady stream of hospitality in our home. So let's keep them in our prayers too. Then on to volunteer drivers. Apparently we have some women drivers offering to take patients for doctor's appointments in Winnipeg or locally, but we also need some men to be volunteers. So please take note of that. And then on page three, uh, persons with health needs in Boundary Trails, there is Tina Suderman. And in the bulletin it says Sadie Wee, but she came home later last this past week. Also in Carmen Hospital is Nettie Jansen. And at home, there is Evelyn Elias struggling with health issues, requesting prayer, and Gordon and Marlene Peters. Gordon is in recovery from his surgery at home. They also very much appreciate your prayers. Then on to lost and found items. I, I'm sure you noticed a lot of items still on that table. And so please check for what belongs to you. The deadline is today. And what is left by tomorrow morning uh, is planned to be donated to a thrift shop. Also, remember, October is Pastor Appreciation Month. Continue to pray for and encourage Pastor Dean and Pastor Victor as they give leadership to our church. And I will let you read the rest of the bulletin at your own leisure. So let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your unwavering love, that you rejoice when we come to you. Today we bring before you Tina Suderman and Nettie Jansen, who are in hospital. We are also mindful of uh, Evelyn Elias and Gordon and 
Marlene Peters, and others who are struggling with health issues at home. We pray that your healing hand be upon them, instill on them that comfort that you are there with them on their journey. Comfort the family of Mary Demke as they mourn her passing. We pray that precious memories and the assurance of your awaiting arms comfort them. We give you thanks that Anne Weens and Henry Thiessen have received a long-awaiting placement in Salem Home. We pray for your guiding hand be upon K and K. Give them wisdom as they speak or seek to develop friendships and inspire others to share with them of their means. Lord, we thank you that you have inspired Pastor Dean and Pastor Victor to heed the calling to pastor this church. Give them wisdom as they give leadership and bless them in their calling. Now, as we receive the offering and share of the bountiful blessings that you have provided, we pray that it will serve the purpose that you have in building your kingdom. Lord, we thank you for all the blessings that we enjoy. Thank you, Lord, that you have inspired Pastor Dean to forewarn us of misusing one's wealth. Give us a mindful heart as we receive this message and walk in the path you intended for us so as to fulfill your purpose. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. And would the ushers uh, please come and uh, receive the offerings? Oh, Pastor Victor has an announcement to make. <laughs> It's all right, Bill, I've done the same. Uh, one announcement uh, we had our, after our sing, hymn sing last Sunday, uh, in which we had readings of scripture and so on. I included the Apostles' Creed, and some of you had asked for copies of it. I've put some uh, in the foyer in the slots there, so you can help yourself to that. The other is, uh, I asked you a week ago to pray for, uh, for us for this afternoon. Uh, we're, we've invited the, the youth in our church, uh, the ones that we've been trying to connect with, uh, that we can think of. And so uh, they're coming to our place this afternoon. We trust and pray that uh, God will use this to do something uh, for our youth. So would you be in prayer about that? Uh, we want them to know that the church loves them, the church cares for them, and hope that we can do something fruitful together. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Vic.
This morning's scripture reading is James chapter 5, verses 1 to 6. Come now, you rich, and weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you, and you will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud. Cry out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have, you have condemned. You have murdered the just. He does not resist you. Thank you, Jay, for reading the scriptures. Thank you, Abe and George, for the instrumentals. Thank you, um, each of the people who have participated in the service. We are so thankful that we have different gifted people within our midst. In Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 23, Jesus has a run-in with the Pharisees, and they ask him why his disciples eat food with unwashed hands. Jesus answers their questions and simultaneously points out that it is the children's responsibility to care for their parents once they grow old, which means financially. And I want to read a portion of that scripture before I go into James. In Mark chapter 7, starting at verse 5, if you have your Bibles with you, um, turn with me to Mark chapter 7, and we're going to be starting at verse 5. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the traditions of elders? Instead of eating their food with unclean hands, he replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written, these people honor me me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Verse 8 says, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is Corban, that is a gift devoted to God. Then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your traditions that you have handed down. And you do many things like that. Close quote. According to the law of Moses that I already read in that portion that Jesus was quoting, the Ten Commandments, it says, honor your father and your mothers so that you may live long in the land of the Lord your God is giving you. To honor one's parents is more than just showing them respect. As was said, it carries the responsibility to take care of one's parents as they grow old, which means financial. Then the New Testament looks at this in the same way. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 4 says this to us. But if a widow has 
children or grandchildren, these should learn first, or pardon me, these should learn first to, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own families and so repaying their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. And then dropping down in that one verse of first, or in that chapter of First Timothy chapter five to verse eight, it says this, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever, close quote. Now, going back to Mark chapter 7, verse 8, Jesus told the religious leaders and as, uh, Jesus told, uh, told the religious leaders that they were neglecting God's commands by following the tradition of man. One of their traditions taught people that they could get out of the responsibility of taking care of their parents by simply making a vow of money and giving it to God instead of taking care of their parents of what they should be doing. The term Corban means a gift devoted to God. So in a scheming way and dishonest way, children could shirk their responsibility by giving it as a gift to God. Thus they were misusing their wealth at the, and at the same time making themselves look good. You see, it was one way that they cheated their parents out of what was rightfully to be theirs as the children took care of them in their old age. Jeremiah was right in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 through 10, well known to all of us. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward a man according to his conduct and according to what he, he, his deeds deserve. This morning, as we continue on a series on the book of James, Encouragement for the Race in Life, I've entitled this morning's message, Misusing One's Wealth, found in James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, the portion of scripture that Jay read for us. These are previous verses that were read, I'm sorry, um, uh, uh, James chapter 4 verse 13 that I want to go over before uh, following this. This is my last message that I brought and so in order for you to have a full understanding I ask you if you have your Bibles turn with me to John, James chapter 4 verses 13 through 17. James chapter uh, 4 verses 13 to 17. Now listen to you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city. Spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is life? You are in the midst, you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. In this portion of scripture, James addresses the wealthier believers in the church. 
His words of wisdom to these believers are that they are not to carry on business the same way that those in the world carry on business, like the other merchants. Instead, they are to consult the Lord in everything that they do as they establish business patterns, as they work, they realize that this is the finances that the Lord is giving them. And not only that, they do not know the future, and that's why they need to depend upon God. They do not even know what will happen even tomorrow. So instead, they need to be open for the Lord's leadings. In James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, the portion that we will look at, James now addresses those size, those outside the community. So the first people he addressed were those within the community of the church, believers. The second are the ones who are outside the community, those who do not know the Lord. They are non-believers who are business people and taking advantage of Christians and the poor outside of the church. So James does not have words of encouragement to them, but rather words uh, that express as admonishment. However, in some way, if we are not submitting to the Lord daily, we are all misusing our finances, whether we are rich or poor. Sometimes we'd like to point fingers. Ah, it's the rich that are doing it. But yet, when we realize that even the poor, it is possible for them to misuse their money. Either way, we are to pay attention so that we use whatever wealth the Lord has given us for his glory. This morning, we want to focus on misusing one's wealth. Misusing one's wealth, number one, by depending on money instead of God. By depending upon money instead of God. That can happen to each one of us. All of a sudden, we realize finances have the answer. We no longer have to consult God. Uh, James says in verse 1, Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. Your wealth has rotten, and moths have eaten your clothes. First, there is nothing wrong with making money. There is nothing wrong with making money. We all need money to live. Money is neutral. It's like a firearm, electricity, or nuclear energy. There can be, it can be used for good or for evil. The scriptures indicate that there were many people, many wealthy people in the scriptures, as, such as Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph and his brothers, Lot, Job, Boaz, Abigail, um, and Nabal, King, King David, Solomon, Hezekiah, Zechariah, Matthew, Joseph of Arimathea, the Roman centurion, Lydia of Dorcas, uh, Barnabas, Philemon, and others. However, it all comes down to the attitude that we have of money. It's one's heart, it's what we do with it, and it's how we obtain it. James addresses the rich people by telling them that they need to wail because of their misery that was coming upon them. Whenever anyone misuses wealth, they will be rewarded according to it, in the, whether it be in this life, the next life, or in both. And it's possible 
to be rich and it's possible to be poor and still misuse your wealth. So no one is free to do anything that they want to do with their money, which is really not their money, believe it or not. We own nothing. We are only stewards. The moment we die, we give it all up. It is gone and can never be used again by us. We have that opportunity while we hold it, now for a short time, to use it for God's glory. Then James says in verse 2, Your wealth has rotted, and moths have eaten your clothes. That is what happens to everything that we possess down here. Our wealth all rots. Everything we have is deteriorating or disintegrating, and it's happening before our eyes. When we're young, we don't see it as much. We think that we're here for a long time, and we will be here for a long time. But as we grow older, we look in the mirror, and we realize we ourselves are deteriorating away. We don't look as good as what we did before. And then, so to speak, we see the light at the end of the tunnel and we realize that our days are numbered here. We are growing older and we ourselves are deteriorating. Jesus tells his followers in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, do not store up for yourselves Treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steer. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Did you notice that Jesus tells us to store up treasures, but it is not to be stored up here on the earth, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. We are called to make sure our treasures are located in the right place. And then Jesus says in verse 24 of Matthew chapter um, 6, no one can serve two masters Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And that is so true. We try to serve two, and both are gods. God, who is eternal, and God of the money, which is an idol, which we can worship. And if you try to serve both, we cannot do it. It's like one asks you to do one thing and the other one asks you to do the other thing and you only have to choose at that time. When one depends upon money instead of God, they get into trouble. And C.S. Lewis in his book says this, in his book Mere Christianity says this, one of the dangers of having a lot of money is that you may be quite satisfied with the kinds of happiness money can give and so fail to realize your need for God. If, any, if everything seems to come simply by signing a check, you may forget that you are at, the ver at this very moment totally dependent upon God. And we forget that. Should God take away our breath? That's it. It's all over. 
And so many people wake up in the morning thinking they've got a full day to live. They go out, have a stroke, have a heart attack, or are in a car accident, or some other type of accident, and it is overdone. And they fail to realize that their very breath, yours and mine, depend upon the Lord. So the first thing we learn about misusing one's wealth comes from depending on money instead of God. It can happen so quickly when God has blessed us so much, we end up depending on our finances instead of on God. The second thing that we learn about misusing one's money, it comes by withholding money from whom it is due. Misuse of money comes by withholding money from whom it is due. Verse 3 says this of James chapter 5. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosions will testify against, against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded your wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields and are, cry are crying out against you. The cries out of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Almighty. Close quote. What the riches were doing, or what the rich were doing, was hoarding their wealth. However, the fact remains that many things will dissipate unless someone uses them. For example, I love old cards, old cars, and I have talked to with collectors who have said this. They said that if you leave them too long and you never drive them and you never start them up, they end up seizing. That happens to everything as well as to our bodies. When we don't use it, use them, they will seize up. Or strange things start to happen in the refrigerator when you forget some food at the back. Have you ever happened, did that happen to anybody? Forget food at the back of your refrigerator, go and look inside there, and stuff is beginning to grow? Yes. That's what can happen. We forget. The second law of thermodynamics is at works. Everything is going from order to disorder, and this world is passing away. According to verse 4, the rich fail to pay the field workers. In Bible times, no contracts were written, but simply words of agreements took place. The parable of the workers in the vineyard tells us that in Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 16. However, there were laws in the Old Testament on how an employer were to treat their workers. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 14 through 15 says this. Do not take advantage of a hired man who is poor and needy, whether he is a brother Israelite or an alien or alien living in one of your towns. Pay him his wages each day before sunset because he is poor and is counting on it. 
Otherwise, he may cry to the Lord against you, and you will be guilty of sin. Jeremiah chapter 22, verse um, 13 says this, Woe to him who builds his palace by unrighteousness, his upper room by injustice, making his countrymen work for nothing, not paying them for their labor. And then Proverbs chapter 3, verses 22 to, to through 23 says this, Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to do it or to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back later and I'll give it tomorrow when you have it with you. So interesting how we are called to make sure that whoever works for us, that we pay them accordingly and that we are fair. So the second thing we learn about misusing one's wealth, it comes by withholding money from those who it is due. If we owe money to whom it is due, we need to give it. We need to pay it. Now we come to the third thing that we learn about misusing one's wealth. Number three, by living in self-indulgence and murdering the innocents, found in verses five through six. Misusing one's wealth comes by living in self-indulgence and murdering the innocents. innocent. Verse 5 says this, You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. Close quote. The luxury that James is talking about is one of waste. It is not wrong to enjoy oneself with the things that God has provided for us. It's not wrong. However, it is wrong to waste, whether how big or whether how small it is. One buffet at one buffet a sign read that I uh, uh, had gone to, it said this, Take all you can eat, but eat all you take. And that's interesting because sometimes we may think that since it is, uh, it is offered and we have paid our portion, we can take as much as we want even if we don't eat it. We must make sure that we aren't wasteful, not only in the small things, but in the big things in life. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greeds. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Of course, this is small peanuts compared to some who preach the prosperity gospel, and you've probably heard of them. And they have mansions around the world, as well as not only just one jet, but two or three jets sitting outside. In other words, they squander and they don't need the stuff and they end up using it for the wrong things. However, we can't do anything about their lifestyle, but we can make sure that we don't fall into the similar track, a trap in the lower lifestyle that we may live. Verse 6, you have condemned and murdered the innocent men. 
who were not opposing you. James is saying that the rich were able to take the poor to court and have them put in prison and even possibly put to death. One can do strange things with wealth because all of a sudden we become self-dependent and we no longer have to answer to people or even to God. We are self-sustained and we make or we think we make our own decisions. I believe Warren Worsby puts it into perspective when he says this. He says, luxury has a way of ruining character. It is a form of self-indulgence. If you match character with wealth, you can produce much good. But if you match self-indulgence with wealth, the result is sin. The rich man, Jesus describes, and the rich man and Lazarus, um, in Luke chapter 16, verse 19 to 31, would have felt right at home with the rich man, with, with the rich men who James was writing about at this time. Close quote. I close with this story. Cheryl and I, and perhaps I've maybe mentioned this before, traveled to Germany in 1995 and took a tour along the Rhine of the castles. That was quite the thing. I remember traveling along and there were castles on either side. We would dock, we would go up. Some of them were restored, some were not. The ones who were not restored, castles were not restored. You could buy them for a dollar. You only had to promise to restore it and that took millions to restore them. The interesting thing as we went in, we saw how the people lived. We went throughout the castle and I wanna tell you, it felt cold in those castles, even when they were fixed up. And as we went into this one castle, we noticed that on the front, it was like a kitchen and it was out. The pillars were at the back. There was a big pot where the people would come and make all the preparations. And I thought to myself, this must be difficult because the people would come out and in the wintertime, it must have been so cold. And then we read some of the stories about those who were kings and they were up in the castles and they would collect tolls along the Rhine as people would go through. The interesting thing is that these people were wealthy, so they did buy nice clothes. The only thing is they didn't have proper, there was no way to, proper, to properly launder them. So they, li they literally wore them until they could literally stand up by themselves. You get the picture? They had no way to clean. It was a horrible lifestyle, even though we considered the kings back there lived as kings. They don't live as kings compared to what we live today. We have everything at our disposal. We have beautiful houses with central heating system, we have air conditioning. We have cars that we can get in. We warm up. We can drive to our location in the middle of winter when it's 30, 40, 50 below. We can come home again. We can collect everything. We have everything at our disposals. If anybody that lives like wealth is people who live here in Canada and live in a home and we have these luxuries, it is incredible incredible, but you and I don't appreciate it because most of us have grown up having these accessories. And so we just take it for granted. 
I thought, as I walked across those castles um, uh, through uh, one uh, room to another, we at home live so much better as compared to those people in the past. The thing is, we are wealthy today. And God calls us to give our wealth, to live with it, to enjoy what we have, and to give the rest for the gospel so that we can reach other people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. My challenge for you is this. Think of where you can use your wealth to lay up treasures in heaven. And since we cannot transport our wealth to heaven, we can do it in another way by preaching the gospel and winning souls for Jesus Christ. That are this, uh, our people are the only ones we can take out of this world. Everything else that we have stays here. May we use his wealth for his glory so one day we will receive true wealth when we are in heaven. Thank you, Dean. Let's close today with song number 95. We'll sing verses 1, 2, and 4. But after verse 2, then uh, Pastor Dean will come up and give our benediction. And then we'll sing verse 4. So song number 95, verses 1, 2, and 4. We'll start with verses 1 and 2. stand for the doxology. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and the God our Father, who loved us by his grace, gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have blessed us so immensely. And Lord, we know that you have blessed us in a way that we can enjoy what you have given and at the same time be generous to all those around us as well as proclaim the gospel. I pray that you would go with us as we go into a new week. Help us to realize that you have equipped us in such a way that we can share with others. Now I pray, Father, give us strength 
And may we live according to your grace and mercy. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen.